Hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. And this is episode 49, part one. I know many of you wanted to catch the uh, part one of the Mike Lou, Jax Falcone uh, podcast. And we released that on Bunk Bed Breakdown, which is Mike Lou's uh, YouTube and podcast. So, and we thought you might want to hear it right here. So here you go. Part one, Mike Lou, Jax Falcone. Enjoy. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Market Watch Mondays. As always, I'm your fucking host at Mike Me Up with Two Ps on Twitter. Holler at me over there, talk shit with me. I don't care, man. Do what you want to do. Uh, today, got a really cool episode uh, for you guys. Uh, I got a cool guest on, uh, someone that, uh, you know, I've really, you know, we've kind of came up in the scene together. Uh, not to say we're anywhere now compared to where we were. We're still just a couple of random True. dudes on Twitter, but. You know, we kind of started off on Twitter space at the same time. Uh, someone who I have a tremendous amount of respect for in terms of his game. Uh, you know, we're similar in many ways, but also very different in many ways. And I think that's that's really interesting, you know, when I run into people like that. Uh, because, you know, we think the same way, but we, we come to different conclusions. So it's always intriguing to, like, kind of pick the brain and figure out, you know, how they got to where they are versus where I'm where I'm at. Uh, but it's going to be a cool two-episode thing where, you know, we're going to drop an episode uh, while Market Watch Mondays. And then we're going to drop another episode for uh, Scott's show, The Undrafted Podcast, right? Uh, which is a really cool podcast. He's got a lot, a lot of dope guests on there. He's had guys like Evan Silva, you know, Nick, the godfather himself uh, on there. I've been on there uh, before as well. So it's good to get back on there. But yeah, it's a great show. So we're going to have a two-part. It's going to be kind of cool. So make sure you guys check out both episodes. One, ep- one episode, the one that dropped on this channel on Mark Watch Mondays is going to be about uh, how to deal with contenders, what kind of strategies you guys go through in the offseason. And then the other piece, which is going to be a rebuilding piece, which I'm sure Scott knows very well, is going to be on that part of the episode. So make sure you guys tune in on both. But man, without further ado, I'm going to hand the mic over to the man himself. Like I said, man, it's been awesome coming up in the industry with you, someone I greatly respect. But maybe tell all the fans of the show, all the friends of the pod, you know, a little bit about you in case there are people out there that have not yet heard about you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, it's funny we say the industry too, because I think you and I both, when we started to get into this, had no intention. We weren't looking for jobs. You know, it's not like we were looking for anything like that. I think it was just sort of, you were so sharp that, you know, you talked about we're just some, some guys on Twitter and that's very, very accurate. You know, I think a lot of the people who follow you and, and I'd like to say myself, but you know, certainly yourself recognize you as much more than that. And, um, you know, so I think that's kind of what we were is we were just sort of, you know, wading through Twitter and then realized, hey, man, I think we've got something to offer. And that's really what it's been. And it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, I, I certainly was dominating a lot of home leagues and things like that. And and then really just wanted to step up the game and 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 learn more and play against stiffer competition. And that's what brought me to Twitter in the first place. And then Twitter is kind of what brought me to wanting to 
give advice rather than yeah. get advice. And, uh, and you know, you realize I, after you joined Twitter that the league got easier when you played with analysts. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them, I mean, and, and not to sort of boast here, but you know, we just, I, I wanted to really have an unbelievably tough league. And so I tried to put together the dynasty uh, game theory invitational, which you're in. And mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people I, I asked earlier on Twitter, maybe a few months ago, who would want to be in it? And your name came up a lot. And I was like, listen, folks, if I'm having this thing, Mike's in it because <laughs> You know, I think you're the, you know, the, the, the squad is unbelievable. Like Thor Nystrom, JJ Zacharyson, Graham Barfield, yeah, you know, Nate Liss. It's, it's unbelievable. It's this crazy murderer's row. And all these guys are just really outstanding uh, fantasy players and so knowledgeable. And, and I think it's going to be fun to kind of play in a league like that. I played in other very sharp leagues, but this one is just off the charts sharp and i yeah. think that's really going to be fun it's a 14 team league which makes those harder to begin with but you know that's the type of stuff that you start to get into just to really test your metal yeah uh, to see if you kind of know what that if, if what you're saying really works you know yeah yeah no it's a it's a fun league uh i'm excited to be in it you know shout out to uh scott connor too i think one, yeah. i've met a couple of leagues with him i yes. think he's one of the sharpest players around uh so you know it's, it's been fun it's been fun i'm in like this is my third league with him i joined like three leagues with him this year so it turns out i don't want to win this year uh, is, is my is my end is my end goal but yeah it's it's a super cool league uh they put together I'm, I'm happy to be part of it got the homie uh chalk who's commissioning great dude yeah. overall you know leader over there at the undroppables but yeah i mean look undroppables super cool brand i've been you know rocking with you guys for for a while we get into some heated stuff but i mean at the end of the day it's all in good fun i never yeah, take it personally um, <laughs> yeah i love hopefully. it the, the, the more heated the better actually because you know and when you have a little bit of a relationship you can get a little heated and then you walk away from it going yeah that was great as yeah. opposed to getting triggered and people who just get so fucking shit yeah, yeah. Up people on, get so mad so and, stupid it's like you know it, it is what it is whatever yeah. i don't i don't like really i've noticed i've noticed you trying to soften yourself because like you'll ask pointed questions and some people just get upset because you asked a pointed question. And I'm like, he didn't say anything wrong. They're like, oh, excuse me, Mr. You know, and you're like, yeah. I asked a question, man. I was asking. Yeah. So now you're like, with all due respect, and I really respect you. And then you'll ask the, ask yeah. the pointed question except, and be like, except it's okay. They, except if they actually read my tweets. Like one of the tweets I, ever, I tweeted out a long time ago, I said, nothing but disrespect has ever followed with all due respect. So if they <laughs> yeah. actually know me well enough, they'll know that's not actually very respectful. But, but only, I appreciate it because you, you have to rub their back while you do it. You're like, you're okay. It's going to be yeah. all right. We're going to talk about football. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes I just, I just want to like, you know, I want to ask a question, but it's like, I'm not going to get an answer if they get all bad and get all mad they about it. So it's so like, bent. It's unbelievable. So it's, like, it's like, all right, fine. You know what? I'll, I'll, you know, I'll stroke your ego a little bit, but I still want to know the fucking answer. Cause like what you're saying <laughs> right. doesn't make any goddamn sense. So, you know, you got to yeah. navigate the water somewhat. Uh, I like to think that, uh, you know, I'm still kind of the, the same guy. Like I talk to whoever it is and, you know, some people don't like it that's fine. And that's nothing wrong totally with that. fine. Yeah. And other people do. And, you know, other people hate it too. And that's fine too. You know, it, yep. it, this is, this is how I am in real life as well. And it's something, you know, I battle with uh, all day. Just sometimes I'm just a very sarcastic guy. Uh, you know, good stuff, bad stuff doesn't matter. So yep. I try, I try and I try and, you know, take into account other people's feelings a little bit, but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm, I'm just trying to have fun, man. I just go on Twitter. I like to poke the bear a while, once in a while. I like to, I like to, you know, get the pots stirring a little bit. Cause you know, if you're not having fun on there, I mean, what are you even doing on there at the end of the day? I'm with you, brother. Yeah. Well, one of my, one of my best episodes, uh, or at least, yeah, I think one of my best episodes was with you as a guest. So let's fucking go, baby. Yeah. Let's, hear let's it. do it. Uh, yep. so I always like to look back 2020 a little bit. I mean, you're the receipt King. I, I, I see you pulling receipts. I don't even know how you get these fucking receipts, but like you'll pull like a receipt or I'll see my notifications. I'll see, it'll be like, 
it'll be like Jax Falcone like this. And it's from like fucking a year ago, two years ago, or some shit. I'm like, how the hell does this guy find that stuff? I do um, it on per I'll just like something. Too. Just like, there you go. There yeah, it is. That's a, that's a, that's a really, really good way to notify it. But, um, you know, you have some great hits, obviously. Uh, but I always like to focus a little bit more on the misses as well. You know, where I went wrong last year, you know, I have a, I have a plethora of, of just, just horrible, horrible misses, you know, yep. on Brandon, Ayuk, on, you know, Josh Allen, Derek Henry clowns me every single fucking year. He clowns me, but maybe, maybe this will be the year that, that I'm right. But you know, I, I have a lot of guys. If you look back to 2020, like who was like one guy that you're like, damn, like I, I missed on that guy and not, I missed on that guy because I had like a good process and it was like unlucky, but like, I really like missed on that guy because I failed to account for X, Y, Z. And because of that, I like learned something from it. I think That's those funny. are the most it's funny you asked the question that way a little bit different than what you asked it. And I would probably give a little bit of a different answer, but I'll start with Stefan Diggs. And, yeah. you know, I, I miss Stefan Diggs. It's funny, man, because when he got drafted, I was so high on him and David Johnson in that draft uh-huh. class. And they were both late rounds, uh-huh. you know, uh, fifth round picks or whatever, you know, and I loved them. And I, you know, I wanted them to play for the Patriots. I'm a Pats fan. I was just yeah. like, I wanted the Pats to draft Stefan Diggs and, and David Johnson. I just love those two players. Every mock draft I did, I was Stefan Diggs and David Johnson. Love Diggs. Diggs goes to Minnesota. He balls out. I'm a big fan of Diggs. Traded for him through Dynasty. Yada, yada. The whole way. And then uh-huh. he gets to Buffalo and I'm like fading him. And yeah. I was just like, whoops. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, I just, I probably just faded him. I faded, I think it was him and Josh Allen in tandem. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of it. When you said the process, I don't feel real bad about the process because I was fading a 56% yeah. completion percentage quarterback who was on the verge of losing his job. So didn't particularly like that situation, but he, you know, Josh Allen did things that were just unheard of and, and he played well above his head. He's never played that good at any level anywhere. Like that's the best he's ever played, even at a small college. Like it's really remarkable. So I give him all the credit. I give him all the credit. It's incredible what he did. Uh, It is. I miss on Josh Allen too, but that's like, that's what I'm just going to keep missing on because it's just just the odds aren't great because that's like the first time we've seen someone do that, but it it is incredible. I think, you know, I'm the same way as you. I love Diggs. I I like, uh, if you go through my Twitter history of Diggs, it's nothing but praise for Diggs. Like he's an incredible route runner, just incredible contested catch, just all the peripherals. He's a stud, right? And the only knock ever against him was like health. And I didn't really care about that that much. And then same with you. I was like, oh man, he's going to get matched against Josh Allen. Josh Allen's great at the deep ball and Safante's great at the deep ball, one of the best. But like, you know, is, is he going to like, are they going to go to a pass heavy scheme? And I think the learning that I took away from that miss is, I did not really account for like the coaching and the GM and like how he, how the, how the Buffalo bills built around Josh Allen was actually just remarkable. If if you think about it, you know, they brought in Cole Beasley to give him the short underneath easy stuff. They gave him the best, one of the best route runners in the league. One of the best deep ball, maybe the best deep ball guy in the league. And most people think Tyree kill, but I think Stefan Diggs is very much up there when you look at his peripheral numbers. And I just, I completely discounted the impact that Diggs would have on Allen versus what Allen would have on Diggs, which is right, which is funny because I'm I'm a wide receiver guy first. I truly believe that wide receivers own a lot of the skill over the quarterback. So I kind of went against my myself there. But uh it's funny. Yeah, we both we both kind of whiffed on that. Luckily I had so much digs in Dynasty. I just didn't draft any more digs in that year, but I had so many, so much digs like lined up that I still got to benefit from being wrong. But uh it is a it was a funny, funny progression to see that. Yeah, I think we both miss on rookies sometimes, which is actually not really missing at all. Yeah. Because like when you said Ayuk, I could say Deontay Johnson a little bit and mm-hmm. players like that, but that's not even missing. It's just sort of because 
you know, that's, that's incoming player eval. You've got to play the odds. You can't be too far out in front. And I think yeah. process wise, you got to put them in their spot and go with it. Yeah. And you know, if you're like, Nope, this is the next guy, man. Yeah. And you, you're a little too far out in front of it. You're going to miss all the other opportunities for other players. You know, I probably did miss on chase Claypool. Oh. It, it, that, that one, I actually feel a little bit bad about because my process should have had him as a, as a late second, early third sleeper, not as someone I was fading in those, in those regions. So yeah. I feel bad about missing him at his value. You know, I should have been ahead of consensus there based off of his, just off of pure upside. I mean, yeah. the, you know, so that was a, that was a miss. And, and that's actually one where I can go back and look at it and say, okay, where was my process? And I don't, I don't think my process was sound with Chase Claypool. I think I was fading him on things. Well, you're a film scout, you know, I was fading him on film scouting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly look i'm the same way as you with claypool but the beauty of missing on a claypool and an iu and the reason why i hesitate to change my tail in my process too much is like now that they've hit in a monster way like the monster rookie hit right there's still people that aren't on board so i can still right. get him for like sixth round a sixth round value fifth round value and like i've been doing that all season long and i'm okay to pay that you know that higher price on them if it means I missed on all those other guys that didn't work out. So it's, it's a little bit of trade-off there, um, but those are just two super – I love Chase Claypool now. I mean, I was totally fading him last year, and then I just pivot. I'm like, hey, look, this guy fucking balled out. He showed us what he can do in the NFL, and I'm on board. So it's, it's always it's always interesting. Like some people love to, like, get in super early. They want to be the first ones. They want to be like, yo, I found the sleeper. I drafted him in the third. I drafted him in the fourth. Personally, I don't really care about that. I, I, I just care jumping on before they get to the top. That That's all I care about, really. Can, can I ask you a couple of players I have ahead of him as uh -huh. to whether or not you would you would have them ahead of these players in Dynasty? Uh -huh. Like uh, um, Brandon Ayuk. Do you have Ayuk or Claypool? I have Ayuk first. Uh, do you have Judy or Claypool? I have Claypool. Okay, interesting. Uh, Deontay Johnson or Claypool? I have Claypool. Okay. All right, so you're way high on Ayuk too, then, because you have I'm you probably have him. Yeah, yeah. I'm so incredibly you, high on Ayuk. Okay, that's yeah. not crazy. Is that the Matt Harmon uh, reception? Uh, it's perception? Not, I mean, it's not, I was high on him before Matt Harmon, but Matt Harmon yeah. giving me the film input made yeah. me even more confident uh, in that take. But his profiles are great. I mean, just that type of rookie production is very, very rare. So very, and he's like really the only guy in the offense that actually has like the alpha upside, the guy that can actually eventually command like. 140 150 yep. targets at all over the field and in the red zone like he can play deep he can play short he can play outside he can play inside like it's very rare to get those types of guys so I i'm very much happy to just like jump in on him early does uh does the offense scare you at all with kittle coming back debo coming back and potentially trey lance coming in and, and yeah. reducing the pass attempts yeah and just kind of divvying up a smaller pie with more Alpha type certainly Kittle's an alpha. I wouldn't go so far as to call Debo an alpha, yeah. but he's a pretty he's a good player. He's a he's good, a good player, player. Don't get me wrong, but he's he's yeah. a he's basically a running back. Yeah, uh, if you think stud. about where, where yeah. he's getting used, but he's a monster. And yeah, I, I think I'd be anyone anyone would be lying to say they're not concerned at all. Uh, but you know, as you and I know very well, this is a dynasty game. I'm betting on the talent, and I'm betting yes. on the talent of him. But I'm also betting on talent of Trey Lance. Like maybe year one, Trey Lance not going to go on there and throw like you know 30, 40 times a game, obviously. Right, but if you look at Trey Lance's skill set, if anything, it's it, it boasts his upside because Trey Lance is, throws fucking bombs. Like that yeah. guy's arm talent is insane. So that's right. Uh, just someone else who I absolutely loved. I loved Trey Lance before the draft, and then he landed in San Francisco. I'm like, damn it, I can't get any more 
you know, socket him because he's so expensive. Yes. Uh, but I love Trey Lance. I thought he was going to be one of the most undervalued guys coming in. So I like that pairing a lot. And for me, look, I, I don't think I'm skilled enough to really like time the market that well. So when it comes to guys like this, I'm just, I'm just going to get in and I think he's talented. I'm buying in the talent and the situation will kind of just take care of itself. That's usually. Hey, hey Michael, speaking of, speaking of uh, his price going up, did you see where he was drafted in the dynasty game theory invitational? Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. He was sure. drafted 10th overall yeah. as quarterback nine. It was yeah. a run on quarterbacks. That's one of the things that we'll talk about. I'm sure. But yeah, you know, Dude. 10th overall quarterback nine yeah. in a dynasty startup, Trey Lance. And you know what? I don't think a single one of us sharps in there was like idiot. Not yeah, one. None of us. I was like, Oh, that's about exactly where I expected him to go. <laughs> so yeah, we'll talk about QBs a, a little bit later, but I want to get into a little bit of process. So like I said, look, I, I have a ton of respect for you mainly because of how you approach the game and you really understand the theory aspect. Right. So yeah. I, I always talk about like, you know, there's game theory, right. And then there's, Game theory includes everything. It's like yeah. market dynamics, economics, all that stuff. And then there's player analysis, right? I think for the most part, the majority of people playing fantasy football spend way too much time on player analysis. I, I'm probably like 80, 20, 80% right. of my time I'm spending on strategy. I'm studying my league mates. I'm studying, you know, the market. I'm studying all that stuff. And then 20% of the time I'm like talking about player values and like looking at that stuff. In your eyes. And, and it's probably a dead giveaway that your Twitter handle is Dino Game Theory. Yeah. But in your eyes, maybe explain why. What reigns supreme when it comes to dynasty success for you? What's There's working? no doubt it's Game Theory. I mean, you, you, you're, you're leading me like perfect. But here's the thing. I was on a Goat District Pod, and I mentioned mm-hmm. this the other day. It's like we all fall into, especially on, the, on, on Twitter, on podcasts, the thing that kind of sells and the thing that's fun to talk about is player analysis, right? Mm. It's this guy or that guy. I mean, I'm guilty of it on my pods. Let me just tell you like, and also I don't always have someone like yourself or Scott Connor, Scott and you, and there's a few other guys uh, out there who really want to dive into the edges and game theory and strategy and tactics and all the different things you can do to win in, in a dynasty league. But you know, a lot of the guys, and I'm not, this isn't a put down on them, you know, JJ's another one that can talk that way, but just a lot of guys just don't talk about that as much. And that's yeah. okay. I'm not going to drag them into it and, you know, talk about stuff they're not comfortable talking yeah. about on my show. But to answer your question specifically, you think about it, every single fantasy and every single dynasty player mm-hmm. is thinking about player eval. All of yeah. them, yeah. 100% of them. Yeah. How many of them are thinking about the game theory and strategic edges? I don't know. But if you're one of those and you're playing upon those and preying upon those, you have a distinct advantage out the gate, even if you're just not good at them, but at least you're trying to employ strategic advantage. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And then if you're actually good at strategy games, that's what you need to do is you need to take advantage of it in terms of what strategy is going to be the winning strategy for this particular league. Not every strategy is the same too, Michael. I mean, I don't mean to you know, beat a dead horse here, but you know, the, 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 the league we're in 14 teams, it was supposed to be 12. It got mm-hmm. expanded to 14. They didn't really change the lineups, deep lineups. Yeah. It's going to reward depth. Yeah. You know, you and I both traded out of the first round to try and accrue more value because we know this. Now the, the negative here is that this is also a, a, a quarterback league because super, it's super flex scoring. with yeah. six touchdown score. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So they're not crazy for moving up. And yeah. that's why quarterbacks accounted for all but one or two picks in the first round. I mean, but here's the point. You and I are seeing all this. 
yeah. you know, and so aren't the guys in this league, but a lot of times you're in some league, they're not seeing all this, Yeah, you know, how many starting roster spots, how many bench spots and yada, yada, yada. So all these things have to be at least considered, if not calculated. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we talked about him before, but Scott, uh, Charles Trill, FFB, mm-hmm. uh, he does a great job at this. I mean, I, I've had him on my pod before. I've been on his pod before. But, you know, you go into every league and people don't even pay attention to that stuff. Like everyone just goes into the league. And it's like, oh, it's tw- another 12 team league. It's like right. the first thing I do, I'm sure the first thing you do, I'm, sure, I'm guaranteeing the first thing that Scott does is goes in and he opens the scoring settings, he opens 100%. the lineups and he, he does a quick calculation. It's like, how many people, like how deep is this, is the starting lineup? How many players do I need and how much depth do I need? And yep. that like, Im- that like really informs his trade up, trade up strategy and trading strategy. That really the same thing for me as well. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, me and him did a trade together and like, yeah, everyone saw the trade and it's like, Oh, that's like totally fair because he moved up to get a quarterback. But this, again, this is a league that has a super, super heavy quarterback scoring format. You get, you know, points for completions and negative points for incompletions. So very similar to Scott Fishbowl. So you have a shitty quarterback that, you know, if you had like Josh Allen from years past, you're fucked. Right. right. So, so there, there is a definite merit to trading up. And then there's also a merit to trading back. So it, it's kind of like, I love these types of leagues because it, it opens up, the, it opens up everything for in terms of strategy. Like, there's really no particularly the right way to win it like you and i traded back but doesn't mean that we have the best you know no. advantage it just means that we took that approach and i the reason why i took that approach is i saw like i'm like dude everyone's gonna go for qbs and i don't yep. want to be in an arms race on the same the same asset as everyone else so i'm gonna try and do some other stuff and you know maybe it'll work maybe it won't but we'll see but i think it's just super yeah, interesting. And if it doesn't work you'll have a quarterback in the, at the top of the draft next year <laughs> yeah exactly so, <laughs> i mean you and, will i mean I, I mean i made my first pick in the back part of the second round i got alvin kamara and i can't complain right right I, you know not not really you know when you get alvin kamara in the round and you got saquon barkley in the second round when you're getting these types of running backs like i'm not gonna complain you know if no. i have to win now that's fine too uh you know you got to be you always talk about staying like you know staying taking in new information and staying bayesian like and i think that that really applies to leagues as well so um it kind of along those same lines of like, you know, taking in new information right now is peak peak training camp type season. You go on Twitter. All I see is like, you know, a video clip of someone yes. burning someone else in trust. Yes. Like, yo, see, I told you, I told y'all this guy's going to be good. Or like, yes. oh man, this guy's a football player. Or like, yes. oh, this guy's really good. This guy, you, I, I can't believe you guys are fading this guy. Meanwhile, nobody's fading him. It's probably, right. like, it's probably like someone that everyone really likes uh, and stuff like that. So, you know, how do you, how do you like navigate the the whole shitstorm of information that's that's flowing down your timeline? Do you pay attention to it, or like do you just use it as entertainment? Like, what do you pay attention to during training camp time? Well, I'm definitely guilty of being a complete shithead about all these things on Twitter. I just want to clear that up. I don't want to. I don't want to take any sort of moral high ground in terms of that. Like, I'm retweeting CD Lamb's. Like, who's fading this guy now? Like, definitely participating in that. Okay, I don't want to. I need to parse these two things. But then, you know, but the truth is I don't have a ton of CD lamb in best ball. I think his price is a little high yeah. in redraft, not to say that he doesn't have ceiling because he does, but just with Gallup and Cooper, I mean, this is an example, but with Gallup and Cooper and everything. So I'm, uh, you know, taking that CD lamb clip in that one, you know, the one, you know, that he's killing it. And I'm using that as just, you know, just let it wash over me. How <laughs> wonderful he is like, you know, but other things it's like, you know, I heard uh Cortland Sutton, get uh you know was limping around it's like oh my god well that's different bits of information now he's made a great catch today and i i I posted something today about Cortland sutton just Mm -hmm. maybe i was a little bit too high on him because i was way out in front of Cortland sutton i've got like 
over 50% exposure on best ball because I feel like he was falling, you know, into spots where he just, he's a much better player than the guys around him. Mm -hmm. But if he's hurt, it doesn't matter. So like, I will look for injuries. I will look for a little bit of depth chart stuff. Yeah. Um, And that's about it. I'm not, I, I try, look, put it this way. I try to be unaffected. Mm-hmm. that's my goal yeah but i can't help it no i mean dude, dude it's, <laughs> at the end of the day we all love football like everyone's yeah. everyone's guilty of it but uh, like you said I, I like what you said about parsing it so there's like the twitter and just you know being being part of the fun no one wants mm-hmm. to get left out i completely understand that and then there's the actual thinking of like taking information and it sounds like you're kind of similar to me like for me i don't i could care less about positive news if a coach comes out and says this guy's the next hall of famer i don't give a shit right yes i don't, I don't care at all if a teammate comes and says this guy's the next Julio Jones, I don't care, right? Right. You know, shout out to yeah, because apparently Brian Edwards is Terrell Owens, right? Yeah, Moss yeah. Or Brian like Edwards that. It's is, like, you know, is Terrell Owens. Uh, yeah. what, what was that guy that got drafted to Washington in the sixth round? Uh, it was Baby Julio with, with uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, oh. he was like super hyped up. Oh, fuck, I forget what is his name. Antonio Gandy Golden. Uh, no, no, no. It was the year before him. It was like some Doxon? guy, huh? Doxon? No, no, it wasn't Doxon. Fuck, I don't know. Oh, 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 Harmon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kelvin Harmon. Harmon. And then, you know, Dwayne Haskins came out and said, this is baby Julio. And everyone lost their fucking minds. I don't pay attention to any of that when it turns, when like, when I'm looking right. at my ranks, when I'm looking at how I value stuff, none of that matters. But like you, I focus on the negative because everyone is so incentivized to, you know, put out fluff pieces and hype things up that no one's incentivized to put out negatives. Nobody wants to be like the Debbie Downer, especially beat reporters. Cause if you're a beat reporter and you're shitting on the team, nobody's ever going to talk to you. So, right. Everyone is incentivized to be positive. The coach obviously wants to think they drafted the best, but the GM wants to think they have drafted. Everybody got a first round value in the third round. Every single team had that, right? So I'm I'm mostly fading 90 to 99% of that. Uh, but for the most part, if there's negative stuff, like you said on Cortland Sutton, where today there was a little report about Joe Burrow. Maybe he's not as healthy as everyone thought it would be. Right. I'm concerned, right? right? And most people be like, most people I see people jump on Twitter, like, ah, like buy a low opportunity. Hopefully you guys overreact and blah, 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 blah. It's like to me, I'm like, dude, I'm taking that information in because if he's not healthy, that's not good for anyone on the offense. No. And I'm concerned, right? Does that mean I'm dropping Joe Burrow a full round? No, but it means I'm going to be a lot more cautious when I go out and try and acquire him. I'm not going to be as aggressive. Uh, so right. those are the things that really kind of impact me. Uh, and it sounds like you know, you're kind of the same on the positive side. Like the only time I really take it into account is when there's like a steady drumbeat, right? People talk about all the time, you know, like last year with James Robinson. This year, you know, maybe with guys like Elijah Moore, although he's kind of getting stratospherically high into that yes. hype zone, but like guys that are constantly showing up week after week after week. I think the best example of this is Philip Lindsay. So Philip Lindsay in his year, like nobody knew who he was. Uh, he was a prolific producer in college, but nobody really paid attention. But like every single training camp, every single beat reporter, every single coach, every single time he was showing up with the first team. And that year I was like, yo, I'm going to get all this Philip Lindsay I can. Uh, so that was like a great dynasty uh waiver wire darling so those are the examples of like how i kind of wade through all the bullshit yeah i think that's right i mean you got to be careful because you know i've been a gabriel davis fan and you know it's interesting when you say that when i say i'm a gabriel davis fan or whatever like if gabriel davis was being drafted as wide receiver 28 i'd be like dude what are we thinking like this (laughs) is crazy get the fuck off this guy you know but i think i see a guy who's being drafted outside the top 50 wide receivers who has you know, flex appeal potentially, and maybe a wide receiver three season. You know, I think I posted the hot take. He'll be a WR two. I didn't, I don't really think he's going to be a WR two. I think that's like his ceiling. So therefore I'm, I'm high on him because I think that he could be, you know, a flex to, you know, a wide receiver two, three, if he, if everything breaks for him. Right. Well, now they're saying Emmanuel Sanders is playing ahead of him. Yeah. 
I'm trying not to overreact. I'm not like, oh no, it's, it's curtains for him. But I am thinking, okay, what does this mean? And I'm trying to think through it. It might mean that they're low on Gabriel Davis and that they think, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is, is a better fit, a veteran presence. Yada, yada. It could also mean, hey, we just brought this guy in. Let him work with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Let's see what he looks like. Yeah. We already know what Gabriel Davis is. Let's give some veteran deference. And then when yeah. the rubber, you know, hits the road, it may be a little bit different. Who knows? You know, it's kind of like the Denzel Mims things. Yeah. You know, I'm scared as F about <laughs> Denzel Mims right now, right? It's yeah. like, I mean, that 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 could be a, you know, I mean, this is bad news, you know? Yeah. So now am I all the way out? No. Am I, I don't know if I'm buying because, you know, you, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. I, I take this information and I don't panic with it, but I have to pay attention to it. And uh, if there's action that I can take that I think, behooves me you know if someone's still willing to pay old value for new information yeah and they're missing it maybe that's good that's a good move you know you, someone, here's a question for you would you give up denzel would you do like denzel mims in a third for a second round pick would you get do that trade probably yeah i think that's a smart pick yeah so that's stuff, a smart trade i mean yeah stuff stuff like that like whenever i see players like that that were like pre-hype and like i'm like kind of a little bit out now or like i want to diversify away a little bit I'll do like those types of trades. I'll use them as like a trade up almost like, in yeah. a, you know what I mean? It's um, smart. I mean, especially depending upon the league, you know, yeah. uh, shallow league. Yes. I, I'll, you know, we'll go for it because here you, you're going to ask a question or we're there yet already. I don't know. I'm not looking at the show sheet right now, but you were going to ask about, you know, what you're doing with a contender. Let me give you an example. So yeah. I'm, I'm playing in a league, Mike, and in the league is like, uh, it's 12 teams, super flex, but it's start two running back, mm-hmm. start two wide receiver. Mm-hmm start tight end and then two or three, I think maybe only two flex, maybe three mm-hmm. at most. And then the super flex, it's really shallow. Mm-hmm. So you can only play like four or five wide receivers anyhow, yeah. but it's also a full tight end premium. Yeah. So really in those flex spots, if you have any sort of tight end talent, you should be playing them. Yeah. In this particular league, I have Pitts, Hawkinson, mm-hmm. Logan Thomas. I think I even have Troutman. Mm-hmm. So I have guys that are going to play in that flex that are probably tight ends mm-hmm. because it's such a huge, it's a full premium yeah i have quarterbacks i have uh fields i have dak Mm -hmm. i have baker mayfield and hurts right so i've got depth there i've got depth at wide receiver and i can only start two plus maybe a flex i've got you know nothing great but chark sutton i forget who else but like even deep to terrace marshall gabe davis um i had elijah moore Mm -hmm. and rager and 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 some other oh juju like i've got i've got plenty of wide receivers and on top of that it's a shallow bench, only yeah. like 10 or 12 bench. It's like super yeah. shallow. Yeah. So you're incentivized in that type of league to trade multiple players for one player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like, what the hell? I'm never going to play some of the, I'm going to have really good wide receivers on the bench because you'll have to one, yeah. one or the other. Yeah. So I took Baker Mayfield, my 22 first, mm-hmm. which should be late. It's actually a pretty good team. My 22 first and uh, Elijah Moore and Rager all for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, that'll do it because it's like, now I got Dak and Lamar and like, you know, and, and some people would say, well, yeah, but Elijah Moore could be. And it's like, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But in that league, he's not ever playing like unless he hits his absolute ceiling, which I'll regret afterwards. But even still I'll have other wide receivers that are giving me 85 to 95% of what I'm getting from, you know, from would have gotten from Elijah Moore, but now I'm getting Lamar Jackson. Who's going to, circle yeah uh baker mayfield you know yeah. baker mayfield's never gonna be what lamar never. jackson is even at his worst right yeah so never. 
you know what I mean? So it's this type of game theory. Now, if that were this league that we're in, yeah, that would never be make killer. That, that would be killer for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's too deep. We're playing too yeah. many. You need to have the depth. Otherwise, you're going to lose. Because, you know, shit, Rager might play in this league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this league is is crazy. Uh, 14 right? team league. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Uh, you, you really just got to understand those types of moves. And like Lamar Jackson in that type of shallower league is just going to give you a massive weekly advantage. It's going to be hard to make that up. Uh, right. Like you're not, you're actually, no, it's going to be impossible to make that up with those types of flex players that are given up. Like unless Elijah Moore is literally Antonio Brown, that's like, right. You know, you're, you're not really going to make it. Like if, uh, if Elijah Moore his most likely scenario, like, don't get me wrong. I like Elijah Moore, but his most likely scenario is probably like a wide receiver too. Right. Right. Yeah. Tyler wide Lockett. Two. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. Which is not which is not bad. That's great. That's a that's great That's unbelievable. Player. That'd be I a like great it. hit. Dope. Fantastic hit, right? But right. that type of player is not making like is not adding significant wins to your win column at the end of the day. Whereas Lamar Jackson over Baker Mayfield is absolutely a game changer. So uh I, I'm with yep. you there. But yeah, you look, you brought it up. I want to talk about contender strategy. You yep. know, I talk a lot about like productive struggles and rebuilds. And I think like my viewers have like you know, I've beaten that into them and they all know how to do it now, like as well as I can, or probably even better than I can. Who knows? We've seen some of their probably stuff. Um, but I want to talk about contender strategy because it's not, it's not easy to be a contender, right? Like, you know, you build, I do the productive struggles so I can build these dynasties. And I've seen your teams too. You, we build these dynasties because, you know, people think, you know, you go on like auto control, like cruise control. But that's not really the case, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Some of my contenders, I can fucking not look at it and I'll be totally fine. Right. But still I want to like tweak them a little bit. And, you know, I like to think about the off season as like a little bit of a cycle, right. And you break it up into segments. There's like the pre-draft phase. There's like the combine. Then there's a draft then there's a post draft. Then there's this like low period of like two months where nobody trades anything right between that, like June, July timeframe. And then the hype, the season starts in August, you got training camp and preseason, right? So in that cycle, I want to hear your thoughts. Like, what types of moves are you making? When are you making it if you're a contender? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you know, I was thinking about it a little bit and it's like one of the theories that I sort of ascribe to is like, and I do it in a contender and I do it in a, in a, a rebuild or, you know, a, a, a you know, a teardown is like, you know, if I always say if you're making a first round pick in every year, like in 20, I picked a first rounder and in 21, I picked a first round and so forth and so on. And you just make one first round pick yeah. every single season. Yeah. That's not very good. Like yeah. You, yeah. you need to bunch them together. And so yeah. I'm, when I'm a contender, you know, I did this, I forget it was the, Oh, it was the Barkley Chubb Geis whole that draft I, yeah. in one league. I had a really good team and I had two first round picks and the picks would have been Geis and Royce Freeman. Actually, yeah. and Royce Freeman, if you remember, was a top six. Yeah, yeah. He, he, like, I remember the Royce Freeman. We weren't right. out on Royce Freeman, by the yeah. way. It was yeah. like, he was like going to be, he was okay. He was ahead of Rojo and carry on Johnson. Like yeah. he was right there. In any event, I traded those two picks. And at the time, my competitor thought, because I traded to this, you know, my competitor and, and I traded back into the second round and I ended up getting like three future first round picks Yeah, as a contender. I did this. Yeah. And a lot of people thought, Oh man, you know, that's, it, it really takes a lot of like, it's hard to do because you're staring at Darius Geis at the yeah. time and you're like, that dude will fucking change. But it takes some for, time for, for those patience. people to give yeah, people ahead. some perception. Like, yeah. you know, people are probably soured on Geis now, but back in the day, oh. when you're looking at Geis, you would, it would have been equivalent to looking at Chubb, right? As a prospect, yeah. right? Yes. It would have been equivalent to looking at Zeke. People, people compared him to Zeke. 
Obviously, he didn't have the draft capital. He was capital, a great player. But, but talent-wise... Well, know, and we know there. why he didn't get draft capital, because he was in trouble. Yeah, because he We was, heard about uh, the trouble a little yeah, bit. It was under... Yeah. You know, there's a few people yeah. reporting it. Yeah. But now we know he was a complete shithead. Yeah. But I just want to give people a, that perspective to, like, see... Like, you're saying how hard oh, it is, and people are like, ah, oh, oh, it's not that hard. It's Darius Geis. But, like, think about it. Like, Darius Geis... It's Geist, like giving up on, yeah. on DeAndre Swift this yeah. past year. Like, yeah. Geis like, would have gone ahead of both Najee and Travis. He would have been the running back one of his class, talent-wise. give you guys perspective. That's what that that is. Yes. And you just punt on it and, yeah. and, and ended up getting me on that, in that league. You know, I, I really targeted the 2020 class ended up getting like, I picked like CD lamb, uh, Jonathan Taylor, cam Akers, and I don't know, you know, so this team now that was, you know, it just, I just kept pushing into the 2020 class mm-hmm. and then voila, like I just have all these guys. Now, of course, Akers is fucking broke. I mean, yeah, but you can't you know, see look, that coming. You, you know, whatever, but the, but the strategy worked perfectly. And so far as I was able to, you know, stack up now this young group, this young crop of, of players coming in. And, and I think you have to really think in those terms sometimes, like, you know, uh, especially if you can trade from like the 1.05 to the 2.05 and still pick up a future first, Yeah. you know, in, a, in, in certain classes, of course, you know, every class is different. I'm not trading away Trey Lance for that, if that makes sense. You yeah, know, yeah. It really has to be calculated, but, but I think that those patient moves, are moves that people are oftentimes not willing to make. Yeah. They're not willing to forego. Look, if you're a contender, you don't need this rookie right now. And you may not need to use that pick. I, I hear a lot of people say, well, then use that pick to upgrade it. Maybe that's true, but maybe it's just like, just keep pushing the picks back. Yeah. Because then when you're in season, that pick just got more valuable, i.e. the Iron Bank that you yeah. and I talk about. So it's really just churning value and s- sort of watching your iron bank grow while you still have this dope contender and yeah if you if you lose players some people get hurt you have all these picks sitting there yeah. so i think it's just i don't know if i articulated that well but i think you understand what i'm saying no i i, I look i couldn't agree more i mean the iron bank is is something that i live and die by uh it, even on my contending teams yeah and i think you know one one thing you brought up there that i really like is like picks picks to me are always undervalued because it represents opportunity and it represents like hope, right? Everyone yes. wants picks. It does, there's no name attached to it. You can't not like a pick. That's right? right. Everyone, everyone has at least two or three players they like in the next class. Someone they want to draft in the first round, even if they don't have it, then they'll have it two months later, five months later. At so some point, it is the most liquid currency that you can have. So as a contender, people think like, "Oh, I don't need picks." I'm like, "No, that that's completely false." Because if you give up that pick for a player you've basically erased all that option value. You no longer have any liquidity because the only time that you can trade that player away is to someone else that also likes that player that is willing to pay more than what you want. So your 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 universe of trade just just freaking just went from like this to like this, tiny, right. tiny. And I hate limiting my trade universe because it destroys liquidity. Uh, so, you know, even in my contending teams, like my best contending teams, here's the other thing. If you really needed that rookie pick to be a contender, look, you're not I got a contender. For you. You're not a contender, right? Not like a contender. my true contending teams, I could not pick for the next two years, yes. and I would make playoffs every single year on autopilot. That's right. Those that's are right. the true contending teams, and that's that's maybe something that we should get into here real quick. Is yes. like how do you determine if your team is a contender? Like I'm sure for guys like you and me, right? Like I look at a team and I know, I, I know if yeah. that team is good or not, right? And I'm sure you're there too. You, but you have a more strict de- definition because we did touch on this yeah. on our pod last time, and you said, look, if I'm not like one or two, fuck it, I'm rebuilding, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. You're like I'm because you're looking to dominate, and you're looking to yeah. really have a team that has a 
like a legit strong shot at winning. Otherwise, you're iron banking it yeah. and, and putting it to next year. And I, I don't think that that's wrong. But I will go back to – I think it might have been something I shared with you then. But I'll go back to when I first learned fantasy football. I remember mm. what I used to teach people. Like this is like years ago. I'd be like, this is redraft. I would say nothing matters except yeah. getting into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause nothing matters. Cause then you win two or three games. Like that's it. Yeah. Like you can be a shitty team and win. Like that's, yeah. you've seen it. You've been Absolutely. in leagues where your team was the best team and didn't win the Super Bowl. Oh, Everybody's got this fucking sob story. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, we've all been this team juggernaut, badass. Oh, fucking this guy got hurt. Like, so the, 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 the redraft strategy is cobble your way to the playoffs, yeah. do whatever the fuck you need to do. Yeah. Don't plan on the playoff schedule. Just get there yeah. and then hope you get lucky. Yeah. And so, I do look at my teams in a way where I, I do evaluate whether or not they're the team you're talking about, the true contender mm-hmm. or a middling team that may be able to get in and, and win Yeah, like a middling team that could get in and not have a chance. I don't, that's a, that's the other way. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like there's middling teams, true contenders, and then the shit teams. And yeah. you know, if I'm middling without a real chance, then I'm going to tear that down. If I'm middling with the potential chance, I kind of just ride it a little bit and see. Yeah. That's different you know, though. That that's you ride it, you but you're not giving up your first to like try and like boost your no. odds, right? You're just gonna ride. <laughs> no, you're gonna never. ride it and hope you get lucky. That's that's totally different. Yes. Um, because I know some people they're like, yo, I'm I'm in the playoffs. Let me give up my future first for like sucker another player. Bet. Like, no, that's not what you want to do. And that's I'm, a I'm totally okay bet. with that. Like, like you said, in the playoffs, anything can happen, right? And, yes. and that's that's certainly true. Uh, but I don't do that too often, mainly because I'm trying to stack the deck against other people well and and then what will happen is as you're sort of approaching the playoffs you know maybe you've got a chance to get in maybe you don't but if you look at your team you know sometimes at the beginning of the season you have one chance and at the end of the season you have a different chance because of injuries attrition etc i mean you know a guy that you thought was going to be good you know Corey davis ends Mm -hmm. up being a shit bag or he ends up being like having a pro bowl season this year and you're like oh shit Corey davis is good things are oh my god what happened or you get ton of injuries you're an acres team with you know okay so at that point, now I'm looking to sell to the other idiots who make the play that yeah. you're saying not to make. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm talking to them, going, "Dude, Chris Carson, and you win the title." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's you know what I mean. Dreams. If you get Will Fuller on that team, I'm thinking you're gonna win the whole thing. Yeah, like obviously, right? I mean, yeah. you already have yada yada yada. You're winning it, bro. Yeah. Well, let's make something happen. You know, so that's what I'm looking to do. No, absolutely. Those are those are the guys you you want to target. You know the people that are fringe and, and like you know you you see their team and they're like hey that team's gonna make the playoffs. But you know unless unless they like roll like like a god, right? They are not going to get very far. And you want to get there first because yes, you know one thing breaks their way, one thing doesn't break their way, and their team's fucked. And those Pick are the eight. great those yeah. are teams you want to target because they have very little margin for error. And I talk about this all the time. It's a high variance game. Right. right. No matter how good you are at this game, it's it's still majority luck, right? Majority luck, no matter how good you are, like it's still majority luck. So if you are a team that does not build for, you know, that's not build against variance, that does not build to handle variance, your team is is not you have very binary outcomes. You're gonna be either to get lucky and be very good, or you're gonna be a shit can. You're not gonna there's gonna be no in between. And those are the rookie first you want to pick up. Uh, regardless if you're a contender rebuilder. So uh, I yes. really like that as well. And it's like, you know, I do the same thing. It's like, dude, you're the only one that has a shot against this guy. You know, all you need is yeah. running back. You know, exactly. I like to, I like to do the, all you need is, and look, I, look, I love Gaskin that. isn't worth a first, but if I put Mooney in there, yeah. Mooney and Gaskin, you give me yeah. a first, you're going to win the whole thing. Yeah. You, you got a flex player and you got a running back one. That's all you needed. 
That's all you needed. So you guys got to be careful. Be careful. For, be careful of guys like Scott and myself <laughs> that come with you. Because I come to you with the all you need is trade. Because that's right. The the chances are that's not all you need. You need a lot more than that. So uh, I'm telling you, I'm giving you guys some inside details of how we work because I want you guys to look out for yourselves. But trust me when I say this, if you if you are trying to sell yourself on an all you need trade, you do you should not do that trade. Uh, yeah. And it's just it's bad. It's bad, bad, bad for you in terms of the downside risk. It's very asymmetrical downside risk for you. And those are not the types of bets you want to make. But I'm yeah. interested to hear now the t- the type of bets I would make though if I'm maybe that type of per- that type of player is hey look if I think I'm buying a player that next year would be worth at least what a first round pick would be worth yeah then sure like look if someone's going to sell me J.K. Dobbins for a for, you know oh, it's different yeah. you know what yeah, I mean absolutely absolutely you know what I mean so like yeah. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be looking to make purchases oh, potentially. Absolutely. With your first round pick, if you're yeah. a borderline contender, but I'm still not, if I'm a borderline contender, that means I'm going to be making a move that still has the future in mind. Maybe a, yeah. it's got to be a dual prong, like yeah. future and yeah. he could like help. If you me need a wide receiver and someone offers you up Brandon Ayuk or like Jerry Judy or you know, Chase Claypool for a first, yes. like, absolutely pull the trigger because those guys are still young. And if you fuck up, it's fine, right? You they, still, they have still have them. a lot. Yeah, you still have them. So, yep. absolutely. I'm talking about like those types of trades where, you know, it's like, yo, it's this year. And if I miss, I'm fucked. Yeah, I'm, those I'm, are the yeah. types of trades where you're, they're like rentals, basically. And you don't want right. to make too many of those. And it's fine to make some of those, right? I always value winning championships yep. or everything. It's fine to make a couple of those moves. But if you're constantly making those types of moves, you're just digging a hole of debt that you will never, ever climb out of. Yeah, and we, you and I talked about another move that is super smart. So like if you're if you're trading for injured players, like last year it would have been Dak Prescott, oh, yeah. Cortland Sutton, Saquon Barkley. Yeah. You know, all those guys were undervalued during the season because, you know, because they couldn't, couldn't play. Yeah. And it's a great way to tank too, because if you trade your, you know, last year you traded your Matt Ryan plus a second for Dak Prescott, you know, and this guy's like, well, I'm getting a quarterback back. I'm getting a couple picks, you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't know, I'm making this up, but you know, then you, now you have, you had Dak in your lineup last year. He was scoring you zero points. Your pick yeah. got better. Yeah. And this is, I guess, more uh, rebuild stuff, but you know, and, and so targeting those types of players, like right now, Cam Akers, I, I'm kind of a little bit of a buyer, although I can't really buy too much because I'm so heavily exposed, which really quite hurt uh <laughs> yeah trust me I, I know your pain um, i can't tell I, i've you been that's a that's a rough one that's just this as a fan i mean i love cam yep. Akers as a college prospect i loved him coming in i've just been beating beating that drum i i know you have been as well you and i yep. have been very much in sync with that just you know defending against all the yards per carry haters out there and all that stuff it just it just sucks to see yeah. as a fan uh, but you yeah. know it's part i hope he i hope he's the one that bucks the achilles heels trend because i think everyone's assuming he's dead and you know i look i think the odds are against him but also there's there's not enough data for me to actually say with certainty any any which way so i agree yeah we'll, we'll be on lookout for that we'll talk yeah. a little bit more about those types of players in the in the redraft uh, in the rebuild side as well yes but i want to hear from you like you know what are some of your top trade targets right now as, as a contender who do you think are really undervalued by the community like who like what moves if you were to go out and try and bolster your your contending teams and you know when i say bolster contending teams i'm talking like you're trading for a guy and that guy might not start for you but you're kind of getting a little bit of insurance as well in terms of like if a player goes injury it's always like cheaper to get them ahead of time so i want to hear about some of the guys like that i also want to hear about some of the guys on the higher end like the studs the veterans that you think are undervalued that you're going after well i just traded for uh in a couple of leagues i traded for juju 
I just feel like he's criminally undervalued right now. I, I, I don't know what happened to Juju. I mean, I understand what happened last year is that he, yeah. his A dot was like three, was abysmal, yeah. right? I get that. But was that Juju or was that, you know, the offense? I mean, they were very, not, not very creative last year. Yeah. They had a, a quarterback who was not delivering the ball downfield uh, very well. I, I don't know. They didn't have a running game. Didn't have an offensive line. Like Juju, I think just has still that upside, you know, he he's done it in the NFL at a young age. That is a very good indicator that he's hashtag good at football. Yeah. Um, so I don't look, I could be wrong. It could be bad. Could be just a, a big slide. I don't think he's, I don't think he's elite and yeah. I'm not overpaying for him, but where he's available and where people are tiring of him. And I think I, I, I think I, Oh, I traded in a, a slight tight end premium, not a full big tight end premium, but in a tight end premium, but not huge. I traded Irv Smith straight up for him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, that's a steal. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, you know, it was offered to me. I was like, yeah, fucking let's go. I mean, I don't give a shit. So like, you know, th- th- that, that type of offer being offered to you means that there's a lot of other dynasty owners who are really, you know, low on Juju. And I think he's a, he's a great buy low at this point. He's still young. He kind of fits that, that point, you know, where he might help you this year and might have a big season and also might change scenery and might be a long-term contributor from some, in some other spot where you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe he landed with. Yeah. I think, I think people have soured on Juju like by way of people getting hyped on like Claypool and and Deontay Johnson, right? Because Deontay Johnson was a target monster. Also, a pitiful a dot and just horrible yeah. efficiency uh but he had you know he's a target monster and then clay pulls up and coming but i agree with you i mean when it comes to wide receivers like the young guys tend to produce over and over again and juju was a prolific producer at a young age and you know whether he's with pittsburgh next year or not who knows but you know he's already kind of proven it so that's not really a bad bet to make uh and he's still young so you have a lot of room for error there as well and even if he's like he still has a lot of room to grow like you know these guys you know we expect we have, we lack a lot of patience and I myself as well, but you know, it takes time for people to develop. These are top echelon athletes. And I think what you just shown before has been good. I think part of it is also Ben. I mean, big Ben is not what he used to be. He's still, he's still, you know, a quarterback, I would say, but he's not, <laughs> he is technically a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. He's not the best quarterback or a no. good quarterback anymore. He's just, you know, average above average, but you know, we'll see kind of like, what they do with that with that team the offense like you said it was a little bit weird last year um so we're kind of we're going to see how how they like evolve with Najee there now uh and you know kind of how they move along the season but i I like juju too i think juju you know people like people go like so extreme right like i remember like juju was the dynasty wide receiver one overall i was like okay guys settle down it's a little over yeah and then now it's like well he's not even a wide receiver two anymore it's like well not even a wide receiver two at all yeah yeah so it's like you know it seems so extreme it seems like there's no between same thing happened like chris godwin chris godwin had a monster season was the unanimous dynasty wide receiver one yep and now now you can get him in like the fourth fourth fifth round so it's just like a lot of extreme extreme overreactions and reactions like that which you know for those of us that are a little bit more balanced and stay in the middle it's a lot of you can reap the rewards i think yeah, right now, Juju, 26, uh, 40. He's wide receiver 40 in best ball. That, yeah, that's crazy. I that's mean, crazy. I don't know, like wide receiver 40? Like, I'm not, again, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Juju's going to come out of this as the bet. I'm yeah. just saying he's not the wide receiver 40. I mean, he might. I, 
what are the chances he finishes lower than the wide receiver 40 this year? Very I mean, low, very low, very low, right? Like yeah. it seems so low. Like I, I just don't, I don't know, man. So, you know, that's a redraft situation. You know, I'm I, like seller. I'm selling Robbie Anderson before the season. I'm mm-hmm. buying Terrace Marshall. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just think that there's certain spots where we have this conceit preconceived notion about what's going to happen as a community or as a ADP. And I just think it's the opposite. I mean, do I think Terrace Marshall is going to outscore Robbie Anderson out the gate? No, I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. But maybe by the end of the season and definitely for sure by next season. Like, you know, so it's coming. Yeah. And so being out ahead of it and getting a guy like, you know, like Nico Collins and Terrace Marshall right now are just are just screaming buys. I mean, I know they're rookies, but I, I think they're they're huge buys. I think, you know, I think taking shots at Chark and, and uh, Visca are probably a pretty good move. And I think mm-hmm. Chark has been undervalued a little bit. And, and it could be, you know, he's one of those where he could sort of crap out a little bit. Like yeah. he could just be a tertiary receiver in the league. It's possible. Yeah. But if he's more like that sort of alpha dog we saw two years ago and less like the shit bag we saw last year, mm-hmm. then he's a great value right now. So, you know, those are the types of guys. I think, you know, I'm as much, you know, I like Mooney. I like, I like Odell Beckham a little bit mm-hmm. um, just because he's also being greatly undervalued in dynasty i'm kind of low on him but i'm okay you know having him um brian edwards is another buy i think what What about on the running back side like you know if you're is there any like aging that normally like people avoid them like the plague but i think you know there's there's a point where like okay we need we're avoiding them a little bit too much but if you're like a contender you know granted their shelf life isn't much longer than one or two years or maybe as a rental but like are there any guys in that vein that kind of interest you to help you build some depth on the running back side Fournette's interesting, right? I mean, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in Tampa Bay, but um, he was very uh, connected with Tom Brady in the playoffs and down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, so he's a player he was that I awful would... throughout the year. Like, God, <laughs> so he was bad. bad. So like Rojo, right? I've, and I've hated on Rojo forever. Like, he looked great, but he was fucking good. He was yep. by far and away the best runner, and he got hurt, and then Lenny Fournette explosive. took over. So there's a lot of question marks in there, but. Man, Lenny was awful. I know, season. I know. But then he was so good. He's yeah, like, set he the record good. for most receptions or something in the playoffs yeah. or whatever. So, I mean, he's one. I, you know, Latavius Murray is still a sleeper. I, mean, oh, again, I love Latavius Murray, dude. Right? I mean, Latavius so I'm a Gus Edwards, uh, Latavius Murray kind yeah. of. You know, it, look, they the, the problem with New Orleans now is that that offense could be bad. But I think if it's bad, it may be actually better for Latavius because it may be a ground and pound game mm-hmm. with, with Taysom. That may be the way they try to control the game. Yeah. Gus Edwards is a, a J.K. Dobbins, and I'm knocking on wood, injury away from, from a real high ceiling. Because, yeah. I mean, he could be a two or three touchdown per game type of score. He could be a two or three touchdown per game type of score, uh, you know, in blips, right? Yeah. You know, you're going to see a 12-carry, 68-yard, three-touchdown game from Gus Edwards yeah, yeah. this year, right? I love Gus Edwards in best ball. Um, yeah, like I try and get him on a lot of teams, you know. What are, so, what are your thoughts on uh, Melvin Gordon? So I just think that Javante is so fucking good that he's going to be better than Melvin Gordon. And I've sort of uh, made the point that I think Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams will have the same type of inverse sort of performance season that we saw from Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb back in the day when, when uh, Chubb was a rookie, Chubb Mm -hmm. sort of started slow and then was like clearly the better back. And they Mm -hmm. sort of were forced because they, they had to give him the, so I think it's going to be the same thing. I think Melvin Gordon will slowly drift away. The other guy you're, you said him earlier is Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. He's a sneaky buy because he's behind uh, David Johnson and Mark Ingram. Those guys are old. I don't know. Are they going to stay healthy all year? You know, probably not. 
I don't think so. I mean, right. So that's another one, you know, there's, there's a couple of guys back there that, that are like, you know, uh, if, if, if everything breaks for them, they could sort of have some value. I just, I hate buying running backs like that. I like yeah. buying running backs in the draft. No, it's, it's definitely I a tough, them. a tough one to do. <laughs> Personally, like I, like I like Javante long-term as well, but I think Melvin Gordon has got some wheels on him still. I, maybe I'm, I'm like a little bit, too high Melvin Gordon, but I don't think he was bad last year by any means. I think, you know, Javante Williams definitely probably the long-term solution there, but it's like, I feel a lot more comfortable about betting on rookies that have a, like a two down grinder in front of them. You know what I mean? So like right. when there's a two down grinder in front of them, I'm like, ah, okay, this rookie can kind of beat him out. Cause Javante, you know, has some proficiency in the receiving game. But then I look at Melvin Gordon. It's like, they brought him in as a receiving back. He has proven that he is a good receiving back and he's a goal line back. So I feel like it's going to be really messy uh, there for like the first, and, and it's like a Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater led yeah. offense. So it's like, yeah. you're slicing up a pie. That's not, and we, we talked about this on Twitter. I think our, our expectations for Javante are actually very similar uh, in terms of what his production will be. But I think that'll be a really cool one to monitor. Like I've been getting a lot of Melvin Gordon in best ball just because I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a messier start than people think. And it's I think possible, Melvin Gordon man. might benefit. You know, Melvin Gordon's one of those guys, like, you know, as soon as he's, as soon as he does anything in, in dynasty though, I'm looking to like get off him Cause it's just a ticking time. Bomb. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But you're right though. I mean, he could have a big season. That's the thing with the, the running backs. It's like, I just hate paying for running backs in dynasty when they're, you know, 26, 27, 28. Cause even the good ones could be done like Todd Gurley. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not like, I mean, Todd, who's Todd Gurley right now? Like yeah, two years ago, two and a half years ago, he was the, MVP of the world like yeah. it happens quick you know yeah. and so I think he's like 26 I hate to do the yeah. age thing when he's like a fucking broken old man but yeah oh I'm looking I mean, at his now. knees are like 80 so that's, that's kind of where it's uh, he's 27 just turned 27 yeah. but yeah, yeah it's it's sad but I mean you know he was the the man and then he's gone so yeah you know the running backs you know can be can be eviscerated I've I've, I've said this before this is a dynasty game theory thing and I know you know this but I'll share it and you can tell me your thoughts it's like you know, when, when, a, when, a, when a dope running back comes in, you know, they eviscerate the guy that's there in front of them. When a dope wide receiver comes in, they just play together. Like, yeah. you know, Amari Cooper, CD lamb, like yeah. even Gallup, they're all valuable. Yeah. If Gallup were a running back and CD lamb were a running back, you know, yeah. Gallup would be dead. Yeah. You know, he wouldn't get any, you know, what, what, what would he do? I mean, it's like Marlon Mack and uh, JT. Jonathan I mean, not, Taylor, to, you know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they eviscerate them. So the running backs can just lose their job and have no role. Yeah. It's the riskiest asset. Yes. A very risky asset. So I try to really sell all my running backs. If I'm a rebuild team and a contender, I'm just looking to, you know, optimize running back and, 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 and sell, sell them, man. They're just, there's ticking time bombs. Yeah, for sure. Um, So look, that kind of closes out the strategy portion. So, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. So we talked a little bit about the dino theory, invitational dynasty league that we're in together you know we got yeah. graham barfield we got justin boom we got nate list yeah. we got jj zacharyson you me uh scott connor we got thor we got pat um pat Fitzmaurice. yeah pat and then we got danny 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 kelly danny uh, kelly pat corain pat corain so look it's, it's a it's lot of people a lot is he yeah scott I, connor i've played with a couple of them i haven't Bain. played with a couple of them so i'm, I'm excited to see what happens? Who are you like most concerned with in this league? Ah, you. Come on. <laughs> nah, man, it can't be me. I'm, I'm just a guy. What? Just, a, just a guy. That's all you are. Nubby. 
you know, it's interesting. I mean, one thing that was fun is, I mean, you know, you know, Scott Connor, who you just mentioned how you respect him so much as a trade up guy. He now is sitting with Kyler Murray and yep. Justin Herbert yep. as his quarterbacks, which will give him a huge advantage. And I think Oof. he did a good job in this league of, of trading up and being, he's okay. He's going to be just fine. Shane also traded up and he's got Trevor Lawrence and Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Those are going to be formidable teams, you know? Yeah. So here you and I are sitting here with, you know, Alvin Kamara, you know, you only have Kamara. I only have Barkley. I mean, two broken old running backs <laughs> and we're just stupid donkeys in this league. So we're going to get, we're going to run over for sure, but we'll have the first two picks next year. We'll fight over Rattler, and the <laughs> North Carolina kid. And yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Look, it's going to be a fun league, man. I'm, I'm excited to see. <laughs> how this one plays out. Like I said, there's a lot of ways to go and I don't know what the right way is. I'm, I'm kind of testing and playing around with how we go here, uh, but it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, who's, well, the, who's heart, the... The, the heart. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say the hardest thing is generally speaking, when we're trying to employ our, our strategy in almost every league, especially if you're playing home leagues or whatever, you know, random Twitter leagues here and there, listener leagues, whatever, just general leagues. There's always a, I won't call them donkeys, but there's always a couple of guys oh, yeah. who are willing to overpay to move up. Yeah. And in this league, there just isn't. Yeah. There's nobody it's, willing it's, to overpay. You're only going to get fair trades. And I love that. Fair. I, don't, I don't have to worry about like, every, sometimes oh. I get notifications in leagues where I know there's donkeys and I know there's guys that just go out to fleece people all the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to see what this trade is. Someone yeah. just got fleeced. Afraid I'm not going to be too worried about that in this league. I don't think. No. Uh, like so you, that's, the, that's the, the trade that me and Boone made, yeah, I can't tell you, man. I, I really like moving back, and it was the spot where he took Trey Lance, and I yeah. was able to move back. I moved way back. I mean, yeah. normally I would not move back that far, and he yeah. he was nowhere close to making that offer at, at the beginning. I mean, he was yeah. so far back. I'm like, bro, I'm not a I'm not a mark here, bro. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's just so nice, and but it was such yeah. a it was awesome because there was no terse words or anything we just yeah, we just really fucking yeah, you just don't get offended, negotiated man. hard man it was awesome yeah and yeah. we both loved it we were in the dms just being like dude this is amazing because neither one of us was giving an inch and it was yeah. like finally i just i whenever i this is a little trick here and he did not allow it to happen whenever i'm in a negotiation like that where it's like a little bit back a little bit forth a little bit you know you're however far apart you are on the on the deal and then you each kind of volley closer to the other you know yeah i always want the other person to accept yeah because that means they that my little advantage yeah. was the one that yeah. was accepted right yeah and like every time i would just ask for fucking this much toward away from his final offer he'd be like no nah. you know i'm like fuck you so i finally <laughs> he i had to accept his his yeah. offer so i have to give him a lot of credit like he yeah. was super super um you know uh cheap and, yeah. and and that's a good thing you know you do want to be able to win those little uh micro margins you don't want to get fleeced and you know of course i'm always not trying to fleece someone but i'm definitely trying to win that trade that transactional yeah. trade i'm not trading for a player i've said this before mike in in times of accelerated uh trade volume right when there's a lot of trades happening in those moments, like in a startup, you want to win those trades. And I don't yeah. mean win by like a lot, yeah. but just win on the margins. Because it's, exactly. Because there's so much volume yeah. that you're now uh, accruing a great deal of value because you won yeah. 10 trades by a little bit, right? Yeah. And I always say, if you're selling a player, you should get paid. And if you're buying a player, be prepared to pay. Yeah. Right? It's okay. Like what I did with Lamar Jackson. Some people would look at that and be like, that's kind of a lot. You get I got what Lamar you Jackson. For, man. You get what you pay for. People I'm... are like, oh, like you paid so much. Like, yeah, it's fucking Lamar Jackson. What do you, like, right. I'm, I'm buying a goddamn Lambo. I'm not buying a freaking Toyota. You know what pay I mean? Pay up. So, 
Yeah, so you got to pay up. You can't be afraid. You can't be afraid yeah. to trade. Pay can't be afraid up to for pay a up. player, but don't pay up for transactional yeah. trades because if you do that too often, you're going to ruin all your value oh, on yeah. your team. A- absolutely. Like those yeah. micro, like it's like you you want to do trades where you're like, you're giving up a dollar and getting like a, a dollar and five cents back because you do enough of those. Next thing you know, you have another dollar. So that's right. So that's, that's kind of how you think about it. You're not trying to fleece anyone. You're trying to make nope. fair trades, but you're just trying yep. to get a little bit of an edge every single time. And eventually like, you know, you get a, you Maybe one time you get like a third round pick next time you get another third round pick and you get another third round you pick. Get a second, you, know, you have a second third round swap. Pick. You have a second round pick, right? Yeah. You get a second, third swap, yeah, or, exactly. you know, and then eventually you work that up micro micro work it up to like a first, I do that all the time. Like in a lot yep. of my startups, I'll move back a couple picks and, I'll do it for like a third round pick because I have, I don't care. Like I think this player and this player equivalent and people are like, wow, you moved up, you moved back in the first round or the second round for a third round pick. I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I mean, like I didn't give up anything. I, I, I got those. And then eventually what they see later is I take like those three or four third round picks I had and I start trading them in the seconds. And I take those seconds. I start trading them in the first. So it's like you said, it's a transactional volume driven thing. And the more you do it, uh, the, the more edges you gain, you don't, don't, don't brush off tiny gains. People like to brush off tiny gains. Don't do it because it adds up. It really yeah. does add up in the long run. Yeah. And you'll um, hear, you'll, you'll hear guys on Twitter or whatever, be like, don't worry about winning a trade. Just get your guy. Yeah. And I do yeah. agree with that to a certain extent, but yeah. that's not the whole story. What you just shared is the whole story in yeah. transactional volume trading. You have to win on the margins when you are buying a player. Yeah. A purchase. If you're making a purchase, that's not a trade. That's a purchase. I bought Lamar Jackson and I had to pay for his ass. You know, that wasn't a trade. That was a purchase. Yeah. You know, whatever the hell it took, I wanted to get Lamar Jackson. So I got him bingo cost that, that first round pick was actually, I have two of them, of course. So that wasn't even my only one I gave up. And again, I gave up mine, not the other shit bag first that I've got, because that's going to be, you know, right. So you just, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Absolutely. All right. Well, look, man. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the knowledge that was shared upon you today. Scott, tell the people where do they find you? How do they support you? What you got going on? Uh, so they can go on and support you out there. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Well, right now the way to support us is by just being part of the undroppables community, which is free 99. We're charging nothing right now. I mean, we do have a lot of plans to create as much content where we're worth something and you know, maybe we are already, but you know, the fact, the fact that matters, we're trying to build something and, uh, you know, we're a platform for up and comers. So, you know, if there's anybody who's listening to this or watching this and you think you've got the chops to make it happen, reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at, at Dino Game Theory. We're looking for talent in all areas. I mean, we've got an offensive line expert, a contracts expert. We've got medical. We've got, you know, uh, graphic designers and all sorts of, you know, we've got the best gifts in the business. You've seen our gifts, yeah. baby. Hey baby, those things are fucking dope. So, I mean, like we're just trying to create a a, a place where, you know, everything one-stop shop and, you know, the other, the other spot to find me is on, on the undrafted, which is the, the, the podcast I do. Uh, Thanks for mentioning that earlier. We do have a lot of great guests and, um, you know, we, we try to, we try to talk about, um, you know, pertinent issues and, and I'm a little long winded and I let my, my guests go long. We're usually well over an hour. It's a fun pod. You can search us and all of our pods. We have a lot of new pods coming out. Um, we've got a Debbie pod just about to hit with Kyle Larson. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of stuff going on. So just search the undroppables, whether it be on Spotify or on iTunes or wherever else you find podcasts and you'll find my podcast, the undrafted, as well as the rest of the undroppables shows. 
Yeah, I'll have all that linked in the comments below for those of you guys who want to check it out. And I highly recommend uh, you do check it out. They spit some great knowledge over there. I love the Andropolis. I mean, I've, I've been with you guys from from the beginning uh, as well. And uh, yeah, you're, I love you're one you guys of the Andropolis. <laughs> I love what you guys are doing. And like you said, you guys you guys find great talent. I mean, you know, you guys had Edwin. Now he's yep. at you know fantasy points with Graham Barfield and them. So a lot Adam, of up and comers, a lot of people that Adam Hutchinson's know, now at four for four. Yeah, Adam down. Hutchinson. Yeah. A lot of so, you guys have been you know, responsible for injecting a lot of young talent and just, just great people in the community. So uh, we love you guys for that. Uh, but that's all we got for you guys for this week's market watch Mondays. Make sure again, you hop on over to the undrafted podcast where I'll be guessing there. And we'll talk about the rebuilds a little bit. Scott and I are going to hop on the mic over there, uh, you know, just after this to kind of go on. And as always, if you enjoyed, go on, follow me at Mike Mabel 2Ps, hit the thumbs up, hit the subscribe, hit the notifications button so you know when good shit is about to drop and hit your film screens. All right. So that's all I got for you guys. Um, and then again, always, if you guys want to become dynasty DGENs like me uh, and just focus on strategy and kind of up your game, hop on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash rpack. Got about 330 something people in there always talking dynasty strategy and uh, it's going to be lit so until next time peace